Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with my wonderful co-host Robin Boyd and we're visiting today with another New Hampshire gal Paula Mounier and she is the author of Blind Search or Borrowing Bones she's got a whole bunch of other uh, writing books if you want to check her out while you're listening to today's podcast you can find her on Amazon you can find her on Audible you can find her all over the web her books are great we love her we're so happy to have her here today and Rob you know we're talking about uh dogs and animals and books today which to me is kind of a cool combination you know combination yeah no kidding i grew up i am an only child and my brother i considered was my dog i lived (laughs) my dog and i we were in the woods we were you know watching tv we i mean we did everything together he was my best friend he was my buddy um, and I treated him just like a brother. He, you know, you personify your your animals. Somebody mentioned, or I read something about uh, people not wanting to call your animals pets. They want them to be companions. And isn't it true? I mean, whether you get into that that whole thing, they are your companion. Well, and there's nothing better, you know, like when we got Chicken Nugget, you know, Paul, mm-hmm. I love this story because... Um, you know, my mom, not the part that my mom had passed away, but you know, my mom had passed away. Both of my dogs after 15 years had passed away and a friend of mine called from an air force rescue. They place dogs when air force families are deployed. And they said, we have this perfect dog for you. And, uh, we go into the, you know, the rescue area and I look at this cute little fluffy white dog. She was perfect for me. Just, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I love you. I love you. I love you. And my kids walked around her and so did my dad to this odd collection of dog parts like he's got terrier ears he's got like a chihuahua face he's got these big googly eyes his two feet in the front turn out one foot's turned the wrong way this little tail he's got a pot belly and i thought this is the weirdest looking little dog what do we come home with and then the kids name him chicken nugget because he looks like a chicken nugget with legs and that was what maybe like i don't know seven eight years ago rob that dog has not left my father's Mm -hmm. side Mm -hmm. and the grieving of my mother i don't know how this little random collection of dog parts knew to do this. And when my kids were in court with their dad, they'd come home, they'd be upset. He'd get on one lap, lick, 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 snuggle, 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 then go to the other kid, lick, 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 snuggle, 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 and then return to his tour duty with my dad. And this dog soaked up more grief, more anxiety, more stress in our house and turned it around like magic. And that to me is the power of animals. That's why we have, you know, we have not only companion dogs, we have working dogs, we have bomb sniffing dogs, we've got drug sniffing dogs. I mean, is there anything dogs can't do? No, I don't think so. If they could cook and clean, <laughs> that would probably be great. Like, you know, well, if you put a plate down, they will wash the dishes yeah, for that's you. That's true. Oh my gosh, I used to do that. I'm a single mom, and when my kids, I had one in a high chair, one in a booster seat, and sometimes we'd have like 
mashed squash or something like that and it would get everywhere orange and i'd just be like i would take the kids in the other room like dogs get in here they would lick that whole thing clean i would spray it down with lysol and be done with it like yeah yeah you know but so it's so great today because we have paula munier here and she has written a lot of books um books about writing she's a literary agent she's a best-selling author she just won the Dogwise best book award for borrowing of bones uh the these books are all on amazon and audible barnes and nobles anywhere books are sold paula welcome to the show oh well thank you it's a joy to be here and then talk about my two favorite things you know dogs and books and dogs as they help us, both as companions and as service dogs and working dogs, all kinds of dogs, I do believe dogs can do anything. And like Robin, I was an only child, and I was an only child who was also an army brat who went to 12 schools in 11 years. And so what softened the blow every time we moved, because I didn't have siblings to play with, right, until I made friends, was my dog and my library. So dogs and books have always been my best friends and my siblings, and a comfort great comfort to me as I think they are to many people you know you're talking about how um, you know dogs are our companions well studies have shown that people with dogs and cats as well pets companions whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. they lower your heart rate they help you live longer you know they they keep you from being lonely and loneliness Mm -hmm. is now an epidemic in our country so dogs are are splendid creatures who help us in a million ways as our cats and horses and what, who, whatever kind of animal. And a duck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here. I had a duck named Gladys and she lived in our break wall and she would have babies every year and Gladys came back and, you know, I loved Gladys and she would come sit in my lap and she would eat bread out of my hand. I mean, it's amazing, you know, whether you adopt the animal or in my case, the animal adopts you, mm-hmm. what it can be. That was my son and his wife uh, were staying in Florida. Um, They are travelers and that is their profession. They are musicians and educators and they travel. Um, And this cat just appeared. uh, It was a feral cat. They had a lot in this little uh, RV community. This cat would not leave. And all of a sudden this cat was walking into the RV and would not leave. And to this day, four years later, Squeak is a part of their family. Because, Squeak, that's right. yeah, Squeak. Squeak adopted them. They did not adopt Squeak. No, no cats choose you. Yes, they do. We have a rescue cat from West Virginia, and there's a little house on the south shore of, of, Mass, of Boston in Massachusetts that the, I call it the cat ladies. I don't know what it's really called, but, but the, it's a house that's a cat lady endowed right as a foundation so you go there when you need a cat to rescue and they have all these cats and a lot of them are feral cats and aren't even available to rescue but the rest of them are available but they have you go from room to room and there are at least 10 cats in every room and when we needed a a cat you know we were ready for a a new cat after our uh, old cat had had passed away my son said how are we ever going to choose because there are 100 cats here mom how will we ever choose and i said i don't know we just have to go from room to room and find the cat you know and we knew there were a couple cats there who were, got along well with dogs and we had to have a dog-friendly cat. And we went to this one room and, and all these, there must have been 10 cats in this little room. And this one cat literally jumped up into my son's arms and my son caught him. And I said, well, okay, I guess <laughs> that's it. That's it. Now she's we've been with us for oh, more than a decade now. And she's, uh, she rules the house, the cat. Yep. 
Well, my my companions, Misty and Smokey, I had them 16 years, and they were, you know, both Tibetan Terriers from different rescues, and, you know, same thing, Paula, I went in, and I thought, well, how am I going to choose? They're all so beautiful, they're all so cute, you know, and the rescue had, you know, every breed, every whatever, and Misty came, and she sat at my foot, she looked at me, and she put a paw on my knee. So she came home with me, like it wasn't even a question. I went there to get a blonde dog. I wanted, I had in my head everything I wanted. This was a white dog with black spots and the most beautiful face, but it wasn't anything I would ever choose. And she chose me. And then about maybe three months later, I just felt she was lonely because I was working and I could bring her into my office many days because she would just curl up like a cat, didn't bark, didn't shed, didn't move. She looked like a statue most of the time. But I wanted a companion for her and I went into uh, the Petco Pet Rescue because it was right near and I was picking up dog food anyway and I saw an inverse print of my dog black with white <laughs> markings and I walked by and I looked down and I said hi little dog and <laughs> the dog was so fat because I think the owner had been feeding it butter noodles it was a drop you know a dump on the side of the road and it was just sitting there waiting for its owner to come get it and some lady had been she's like oh yeah she loves buttered noodles I've been fostering them. I can tell she loves buttered noodles. <laughs> and she was so fat and she kind of got up to get on her legs to like you know get up you know, not jump but she couldn't jump because she had this big belly and then oh. she fell over like right on the tile floor so I picked her up and I never let her go Oh, how precious. Isn't it wonderful how these companions are such a part of our life? And I think, isn't it interesting how it correlates with books and with, yes. with animals in that that is your companion. When I am in the middle of a book, that is my companion. I am, I, I am a part of that character. The protagonist is just right by my side and maybe, uh, other people feel the same way, but I am with that person. Um, and isn't it wonderful now that there are audio books, we can take our companions with us no oh. matter where we go. Rob, you know, that's one of the reasons that I, I just love, love, love. Like, I wish I could give Audible the biggest hug because <laughs> yes. I have been an Audible member. I, I can't even remember how long. I can't tell you how many books. Oh, I know. I You've had it forever. And I, I did too because of you. Well, it's, it's, you know, the, first of all, there's thousands of titles mm -hmm. and I'm on a computer all day. I think many people are staring at a screen all day. So mm -hmm. for me, when I get home, like after I take care of my dad and my kids and I, I get the dishes and everything put away for the night, I really like to read and yeah. my eyes are tired. Yes. And I like to get in the bathtub. I have like this routine now every night. Like, like you could, you could set your watch by it. Like, you know, the tub <laughs> turns on, you know, the whole thing. Um, but I found that with my, those little dots, I can't say it because she'll start talking on the radio. I have one yes. in the room. Yes. I can just call the title of the book and have my audible titles read to me. So I sit in the bathtub right now. I'm listening to Joel Osteen's like I am mm -hmm. he voices it himself. And it's funny. I'm, uh, I'm a, I like business books. I like, I love self-help books. I always learn something for myself, mm -hmm. my kids. I like parenting books, you know, all these things. And when I can listen, I can relax. Yes. So I will listen while I'm cooking dinner and I have a little, you know, little, device in my kitchen that I listen to. And then when I go upstairs in my bedroom, I have one in my bedroom, I have one in my bathroom. Yeah. And the book goes where I go. 
And then if I want to listen to it on my phone and it picks up where it left off, like no scrolling, no muss, no fuss. Yes. So when I'm stuck sitting in the carpool lane, which I was last week, because right. I decided to film a movie at my kid's middle school during the day when <laughs> school's letting out rush hour, I was sitting there for 40 minutes to pick up my kid in line. Everybody's honking, mm -hmm. everybody's mad. Not me, because I had my iPhone connected to my car, and I picked up right, and I'm listening to this great book. Um, yeah. And, and that's where I went. That's what I love, is that it picks up on any device, no matter where you are. Yeah. So if you've got the tablet at home, but yet you've got the cell phone that's hooked up to your Bluetooth in your car, it picks right up where you are. You know what I love so much, uh, San, is the, are the Audible originals. Because yeah. so many of those... I have been listening to some nostalgia radio, for example, and it takes me about 25 minutes to get to work. And I love listening to some old radio shows. Jimmy Stewart, oh my word, love him. Jack Benny, you know, their, their little one-liners are just adorable. But it gives me that lift on the way to work. So I'm not in, I, I save my, my hard reading, if you will, for later in the day, like you say, in the bathtub uh, at the end of the day. I'm cooking or on a Saturday when I'm cleaning, but I love these little audible originals. I'm listening to pitch right now. That's an audible original talking about how music has infused into our society in so many different ways. And of course, my children being professional musicians, this is um, something that I'm exploring right now that I'm just loving, absolutely loving audible originals. Well, and you know me with all my fitness stuff and all my, you know, I'm probably yeah person in the world with you know cancer and and yeah. um yesterday or this week you know I had to have a procedure done and I was listening to um the wellness the guided wellness mm -hmm. stuff because you know mm -hmm. I had to wait for my surgery I was in and out of radiology you know it was a whole week of my life taken you know right. dedicated to my health and I know there's a lot of people out there like me that are you know working single moms and have mm -hmm. cancer and they have meditation they have fitness programs and I kept listening to this this wellness program and I I can't remember the name mm -hmm. of it I wish I could recall it right now but it just calmed me down. You know, I'm yes. laying there in the hospital bed. I plugged in my ears and, you know, they're giving me the infusion and I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, it's so boring. You're just sitting there and mm -hmm. to have your mind taken off stuff. And this is yeah. where like reading a physical book versus listening to an audio book really comes into play. I have them all crammed on my phone. You know, yeah. I have a big, yeah. you know, super deluxe iPhone with tons of storage. Mm -hmm. And I really, sometimes when they give you these infusions, uh, my eyes wouldn't focus. Right. Like, I felt like one was shooting one way, one's going the other. <laughs> and so, you know, and I'm trying, like I couldn't even read the, you know, I couldn't read anything. And so, but what I could do was put on my headphones, shut my eyes, and listen to this guided, guided wellness yeah. program. I listened to a meditation. Then I started thumbing through my audiobooks, and I'm like, oh, this annoys me. Oh, this annoys me. Like, oh, and then I got like one that I wanted to listen to. Yeah. And I didn't have to carry this huge right. bag of books. Now, I love right. books, but when you're having to bring everything into the hospital, all I had was my phone, and mm -hmm. I had all my books with me. And that was like having a whole group of friends. I brought Paula with me. Uh, yes. You know, and that's Paula, it. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what do you think? Like, you know, it's 
funny, you know, you, you've authored all these books and you've got these best-selling books and you are on Audible. Oh, you know what? Let me give the, the code, you guys. Go to audible.com slash military mom or text to 500-500 military mom. You'll get a free book. You'll get access to a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll, you'll see just how many things are on here. Not only are there thousands of titles, but mm-hmm. you can listen to anything from, you know, podcasts to um, Conan O'Brien to to yes. so just like me, the wellness programs, they've got all these originals. You're not going to want to miss it. Just check it out. It's, it's great. And it goes where you go, device, device, device. Um, Absolutely. I want to spell Audible though first, because uh, I know my husband misspelled it the first time he logged in. A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com slash military mom. That's going to get you that free audiobook, and you will be so grateful. It is just a wonderful experience. Well, yeah, text 500-500, military mom, super cool. Um, And you can take everything with you. Now, I'm curious because I want to ask Paula, you know, you write all these books and you think of people reading it, okay? But how does it feel to have somebody sit and listen to your story? Like, doesn't that just give you a thrill? Well, absolutely. And, And my husband loves Audible. I listen to Audible books all the time because I spend a lot of time on planes and trains yeah. and buses. <laughs> and it allows me, especially as a writer, I like to listen to not the novelist whose voices I love. And I just love to let the language mm-hmm. wash over me. And sometimes it's Shakespeare. Sometimes it's Alice Hoffman. It can, be, it can be any great writer. I just love the language. You know, it's like listening to poetry, Billy Collins or, or Mary Oliver. I, I love that. And, and that's the glory of, of having the audible where you can take it anywhere and even if you're on a bus in the middle of Penn Station you're sitting around waiting right it's all this chaos around you and you're listening mm-hmm. to poetry you know that's that's the glory of it um so I think that the thing about books and the thing about animals and the thing about listening to something is you know it's a different it's a different story. I think it's so hysterical now that everybody's talking about podcasts when in fact what is podcast? It's radio, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid I loved to listen to the radio and I love stories on the radio because it's a different experience. It is. And, and as a writer you're trying to write language that will appeal not just on the page mm-hmm. but as you listen. And that's that's really craft, you know, to to find a writer who who whom you can listen to as mm-hmm. well as read that's a good writer, you know, because that's language at its best. And, and we grew up originally, right? Original storytelling was oral storytelling. It's the yeah. power of storytelling, people sitting around the campfire telling stories. And that's yes. what Audible recreates, really. Yes. It's that experience. And that's a beautiful experience, but it's a different experience. Although they say, you know, that whether you listen to a book or read a book, read a book on a page or on a screen, it's just as good for your brain to listen to it as it is to read to it. Mm-hmm. We love that. I'm going to give that code again, audible.com slash military mom or text 500, 500 uh, military mom, because what we're talking about ladies here is so powerful. You're, mm-hmm. you're not getting a book. You're not getting an audio book. You're getting an experience. You're getting an education. You're getting entertained or comforted or validated. You know, when I listen to some of these audiobooks and they're bone chillingly good, like, like Paula's book, you know, Blind Search or A Borrowing of Bones, you know, and they're, they're fun, but there's also a musicality to it. 
Paula, you know, and that's, I think what you're talking about. You're talking about your word choice. A lot of times, like I'm carried along like a river and there's a cadence to it. Like I really encourage everybody who's listening to these audible books, like, you know, get Paula's blind search and listen to it. And you'll hear, it's almost like a melody and it carries you along and a really good one will envelope you in this like big hug. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, it's very lovely of you to say so. Um, I, I personally have a hard time listening to my own work <laughs> because, you know, one of the tricks of being a good writer is to read your stories aloud to yourself, right? Or now you have, you know, with um, these playbacks, you can actually, you know, Microsoft Word will read it back to you so you can hear it aloud. Oh. And that really helps you identify where that rhythm breaks, yes. where the, the language is awkward where you have to stop and take a breath so you know that's a run-on sentence you better you know break up it's 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 really um a great way to to edit yourself is to is to read it out loud or to play it back and so you can hear it because that's where you hear you hear the glory but you also hear the mistakes sure. <laughs> well and let's talk about like you know let's talk about let's pick you know your new one borrowing of bones because you know that's out and and that's available and that was just awarded yay um awesome paula's books you know we gave Thank we you. giveaway for paula's books and then i actually gave i actually went on amazon and bought a couple um and i gave them out at my christmas dinner because every year at my house paula i do a thank you for people who helped me and i i went to cooking school many years ago so i make a prime rib i make a full traditional like east coast dinner even though we're in southern california and i turn the air conditioning up some years and i crank up the christmas music and i have the tree so you know it's nice and frosty inside even though it could be 85 outside but everybody gets a book on their plate and you know it just reminds me of i was always given books as a child like that was a big and my favorite memory with my father was saturday night we could go to the half price bookstore we didn't come from a lot we had a lot of kids and um a very very modest household and i still have the first dictionary that i bought my dad and he says you really you want a dictionary stand of all the books in the bookstore <laughs> and it to me it was one of the most beautiful books because it had it had a gold on it, you know, and in those days you had the Reader's Digest condensed, you know, yes. and this yes. one had this like, and I, you know, I still have it. It's dog-eared up in my bedroom and, you know, and I was probably in sixth grade and I would, I would go through and I would, I would read the dictionary like a book and I would come across a, a word that became a story in my head, you know, and it was just the most magical nerdy thing. And, um, you know, when you think about, the power that you have, Paula, when someone comes into your story, you know, you bring them into this whole universe. Yes, yes, you do. I mean, that's the hope. The hope is that, you know, Mary Engelbright once said, you open a book and you fall in, you know, you want the reader to fall into your story. And then that's what I want as a reader to do, right? We all want to fall into the stories and stay there and be mm -hmm. transported to another place and another time and you know, another planet even, you know, mm -hmm. could be anywhere, wherever the writer creates this universe. And uh, that's, that's the glory of writing, I think, and the glory of reading is that it can take you places that where you've never been. 
Well, and your characters are so compelling. And I have to say, I never in a million years, you know, I went to journalism school. I've been interviewing authors for 20 years. And I never thought of an animal in a book having a character arc, you know, being a three-dimensional. Now, we all know, like, you know, I have voices for my dogs. I'm the kind of one that talks to my dogs, and then they answer back in a specific voice. You know, like, like Nug Chicken Nugget sounds like a New York cab driver, and Sophie Peanut is, you know, this dilettante with an English accent. You know, we have a lot of fun with our dogs, and then Sally, my golden retriever, is just dumb, and she just talks like this, <laughs> and a little bit of Scooby-Doo, if Scooby-Doo was a girl. Um, but, you know, when you create a animal character in a book, that's not a fantasy. You know, your book is not a fantasy. You know, your book is a mystery and there's all sorts of neat things on there. But you've created a dog that's an integral part of your book. How does that, how is that different from creating a character or is it? Well, I don't think it really is much different. I mean, you want all of the characters in your books, two-legged and four-legged, to be well-rounded, fully developed characters with challenges. They have a backstory, you know, they have a present and they have a future. And what happens in the book challenges all of those, past, present, and future. And I think, especially in A Borrowway of Bones, which is the, um, just won the, the award, the Dog Wise Best Book Award, which is, you know, it was awarded by the Dog Writers of America, Association of America. And so they're all about dogs. These are total dog people. And so I, it was really a, it was really lovely for me because I thought, okay, if I can, if these people believe my dogs, because they're all writing about dogs, that's mm -hmm. their whole thing right. about dogs, you know, all the time, professional writers, all writing about dogs, and they believed my character. So that, that, that was really saying something, right? Yeah. So I thought, oh, good. And, and, and I thought people asked me about that, you know, and I say, well, the thing about writing dogs is it is like writing people. And that if, if you've had any, any number of dogs, you know that they're very different from dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And you, you ask yourself, why are they so different? In A Borrowing of Bones, you have Mercy, who's a former MP who was wounded in Afghanistan. And you have Elvis, who's the Belgian Malinois, the, the bomb-sniffing dog, whose who's, uh, handler was killed in that same battle that wounded Mercy. And that handler was her fiance. And so they have both lost their man. They have both lost their mission. They're both home, out of sorts, not knowing what to do not knowing how to make this transition to the civilian world, grieving their man and their mission, not knowing where to go next. So in many ways, they have the same challenges, right? Mm -hmm. They both suffer PTSD. They both are grieving. And, and I think, you know, I think sometimes we underestimate the power and the emotional power that, that animals have for us, right? Because they are mirrors. They reflect our own experience. And I think, um, that's what I was trying to show that they're both they're both you know walking wounded and they both have that art to mm -hmm. heal the health and wholeness again. Is it through animals at times that your concepts come to you? Because it almost uh, seems to me that um, because they are such well-rounded characters, I wonder if it's your where your develop your your character develop your story development comes to you well certainly for this series yeah it came to me from a fundraiser i did with mission canine rescue i see and mission canine rescue is this organization that finds military working dogs and you know the army does a pretty good job 
of when a military working dog mm-hmm. is finished with their service, repatriating that dog with a former handler, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the defense contractor dogs often end up in kill shelters. Mm-hmm. And what Mission Canine Rescue does is find these dogs, rescue them, and find them forever mm-hmm. homes. And I did yeah. a fundraiser with them. And I met oh. all these fabulous handlers and dogs and I just sort of fell in love with them. And that's what inspired the series, you know? And from, so I started with Elvis. I started with the Belgian Malinois based on and, and inspired by the dogs I met at this, at this fundraiser for Mission Canine Rescue. And then uh, the, the people came later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see where that would be. Yeah. Um, I, just wanna, I just want to um, just do a little segue here for those of you listening who want to know about this, because I, I did. It's Mission Canine Rescue, like uh, all one word, and it's a .org. And you're going to have to um, go to this website because we're here talking today. We're supporting Audible. We're supporting Paula's wonderful books. But we also want to support Mission Canine Rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you get on here, you, you get to like, look at the sponsors, you get to read the blog, you get to look at their mission. And when you open up their page, the first thing you see is our mission is to rescue, reunite and rehabilitate. And, Mm. um, boy, you just, and they are the winner of the 2017 Petco foundation helping heroes. So, um, you guys, if you're listening today, if you're looking to not only, you know, get some audible books or, you know, look up Paula's books cause they're really great, but also take a walk over to mission rescue.org. Take a look at them, maybe make a donation or do something that you can to help this cause because, mm-hmm. you know, we always talk about Rob, um, in the military, when one person serves, the whole family serves. And, you know, greater or lesser. And we've done a bunch of, you know, animal rescue. We've done a bunch of dog. We've done a bunch of service dog sure. uh, shows over the years, the last 12 years. But, you know, we always want to stop and say, you know what, these little buddies are making a difference, you know, mm-hmm. and they've done their, their service. And so bringing them home into your family is just fantastic. I mean, I think we all mm-hmm. have rescues. I, I, yes. I have three rescues. Paula, how many rescues? I have two rescue dogs and a rescue cat, and we're looking for another rescue dog. So. Okay. Um, How about you, Rob? I did. Uh, my little dog, uh, my little Cocker Spaniel, when I was going through my chemo, that's when we got our little, and that's what broke my heart when it was, uh, we realized that she was dying because she had a mammary uh gland cancer and I couldn't help her. She helped me through my cancer and I couldn't help her through hers, unfortunately. Well, but she did her, you know, she did her duty. Did. She sure did. My, and that's what got me through my cancer. Well, and I will tell you, I'm probably one of the few people in the world who has a rescue lizard because (laughs) my son, Zach, remember he wanted the bearded dragon for Christmas. And, you know, this is, again, this is the magic of animals. This is the magic of, of life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, guys, I really, we have fish, we have dogs, Mm -hmm. you know, we have my 87 year old dad. And I really, I didn't want this lizard. And (laughs) I put out on Facebook, you know, where I'm, I'm thinking of getting this lizard for my kid for Christmas, any tips. And the first thing a mom sends over to me is she goes, I have 
all these like, I don't know, Petco, PetSmart, whatever <laughs> bucks that I'm not using. I'm going to give you, you know, 200 of them so you can get the light and you can get the cage and you can get all this thing, you know, because it's expensive to have this stuff. So I'm like, crap, now I got everything for free. Mm. And I go in and the, the lizards are like, I don't know, 80, 100 bucks. I mean, these are not, you know, we have lizards in our pool. You know, you could take one off the sidewalk, but no, we have to have the bearded dragon. And I come in to, to the pet adoption and I'm looking at the cats. And I'm looking at the dogs going, why does my kid want a lizard? And one of the ladies comes over, she has the lizard on her shoulder and she's in the adoption area. And I said, I said, is that a bearded dragon? And she says, yeah. And I said, oh, I'm here to, to buy a bearded dragon. She goes, have you ever thought of adopting? And I'm like, how much? And she's like, for a donation. I'm like, he's sold. <laughs> but I ended up, you know, and this little lizard crawls around our kitchen table and he makes this little yap, yap. He goes, when he's ready to get a worm and he's trained all of us. He whacks his water bowl when it's time to clean the water bowl. And I would never in a million years think a lizard would be as responsive. Engaging. As yeah. Yeah. Well, birds, I mean, it's true. You would not think of, of them, but they certainly do. You had, um, I, I read, um, fixing Freddy, Paula, and you had a lot of Freddies in your list <laughs> in there. How many Freddies? Freddy the first, Freddy the second. <laughs> had a lot of Freddies. Um, when I was a single mom and, you know, living in, apartments right yep. or rentals so, mm -hmm. so we had a lot of freddie the fishes you know we went through a lot of freddie the fish my youngest son mikey he was very fond of the name freddie so everything was named freddie and after about the fourth fish i was sort of over fishes right <laughs> and, and, and so we ended up with a cat and then we ended up finally you know i scraped together the money and and uh, I, we got our own house our own little cottage and I was so excited that we would, I would finally have a real home, right? We would have a real phone, me and Mikey. And the first day we moved in, the movers are pulling away. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for the, you know, new uh, washer dryer? Because I don't have the money for the washer dryer. I just, you know, zonked out my account. Yeah. And Mikey says to me, okay, mom, let's go get the puppy. And I said, huh? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, mom, you always said that if, we ever had a place of our own, we could get a puppy, which of mm. course is one of these things you say as a parent, right? Never thinking I'd ever have a place. We already had a dog, a lovely dog. We already had a, a cat. We didn't need another, a puppy. No. And oh. so we went to get a puppy and you know, the puppy was half price and it turned out to be the beagle from hell. Because <laughs> that was the worst beagle ever. And, and you know, of course, in the end, it was all about training myself because I had this unruly dog and I had this unruly adolescent boy and I didn't know what to do. And, and of course, in the end, I had to train myself so I could train the, the dog. But uh, poor Freddie. We, we, Freddie finally passed, but he was very old and uh, he was stubborn to the end. He was, oh. you know, true to himself. <laughs> It's funny, you know, like when you go, oh. like the, the things that we do as parents, um, you know, like I promised my kid a pug and I don't like pugs. Pugs to me look like a bowling ball. You know, like they're like a, if a dog were a bowling ball, it's a pug. And he's like, mom, what about the pug? What about the pug? And I know I'm going to have to make good on the pug because I promised. Yeah. That mother guilt, huh? 
when you promise something. What do you think, Paula, it is about animals or specifically about a dog? Because we are talking about dogs. Do you think it's that unrelenting um, truth in them that they see in us? Or what is it that creates that special bond that we just becomes our dearest companion? Well, I mean, I, what's interesting about dogs especially is mm -hmm. that they are bred to interact with humans, right? Mm -hmm. They're bred to have this symbiotic relationship with us. Now, I was just at the vet with our rescue Bliss, who's, who's uh, she's great Pyrenees and Aussie cattle dog mix. She's a beautiful dog. Um, and she's very much a herding dog because those are both. Mm -hmm. And we were, but she's very reserved, but she's very friendly. You know, I can take her anywhere. She's very well behaved. But we were at the vets and she reacted very badly to this dog because we were going to walk through right to the outside and we were in the little examination room and I opened the door and she went and I went oh, oh. And she knew <laughs> unusual for her and the vet we have a fabulous vet Dr. Jen she said oh she's always trust your dog which is funny because that's what I, I say yeah. in all my books mm -hmm. is always trust your dog right it's so one of the lessons you have to learn is mm. almost always right always right and, and she said let's let and the, the vet said let's take a peek and see which dog is out there that she doesn't like i said well, this is very strange behavior for her yeah. and, and the, the vet opened the door and she took a big shove there and she said oh we know this dog bliss is right you don't want to go out there this dog is a mess you know so it, it she said that dogs are such good judges of character and she said especially herding dogs because what is a herding dog a herding dog's job is to protect the flock and to protect the shepherd. That's, mm -hmm. that's the herding dog's job. So they tend to be suspicious of strangers, sure. very loyal to their own, to mm -hmm. their flock, their shepherd, but suspicious of strangers. Then they will give you what's called the eye, which is, yes, she definitely has that. She gives you the eye, like, like my mother used to give me when she didn't approve of what I was wearing, right? Yeah, that, I. <laughs> that look. Exactly. And it's their way of saying, you know, of, of, of first of all getting the flock to do what they want the flock to do but also to put strangers on notice that they're mm. in charge mm -hmm. and, and that they need to d judge you worthy of interacting with their sheep or their shepherd so it's it's i think that's part of it is it's bred into them to love us yeah. and yeah. To, to interact with us and to protect us and all we have to do is embrace that right yeah. and trust yeah. our dogs because they are almost always right yes yeah well Part i remember when when max was born i had a my first son was born premature and i had this old house i was remodeling and i had and they were friends of mine replacing the windows anna's brothers were replacing the windows in my house and my little you know these were terriers tibetan terriers and you know they were you know maybe the size of a football they weren't gonna you know guard anybody but they immediately when they were putting the windows in it was the most amazing thing both dogs ran upstairs they never used to go upstairs they went by max's crib and they both sat there like little sentinels you know as they were putting and they weren't even going you know the the windows replacement were in the upper bedrooms but they didn't even go in the nursery but the dogs immediately went to the nursery and they sat guard now these were two dogs that could care less they're lopping around downstairs but the minute some workmen come in they shot up the stairs to max in the crib and max is sound asleep he was you know just a baby and they sat there and they would not leave 
they would not leave until when the workmen left then they went back and laid on the kitchen you know and laid on the floor and lopped around mm -hmm. like they used to but i was it was so remarkable to me because these were you know dogs that were like used to walking on leashes and you know i didn't think they had a protective bone in their body mm -hmm. and they were the kind of dogs too that when somebody would come in they go yep and then roll over for a rub or like, you know, do anything, come in, rob my house for a treat. And, you know, the idea that something kicked in in them instinctually yeah. up to protect the baby and the baby was only home a couple months. It's not like the baby was, you know, in their life for years and years and years. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'd always want to talk to my dogs like, and I do talk to them and they answer, but I'm, you know, answering for them. But I would love to know, like, what was it in you that caused you to suddenly go from kitchen floor mops to guard dogs? I'm sorry. Say that again. I said, I, I always want to know, I want to ask them for Misty and Smokey, what was it that triggered in you? Like, what feeling did you have that went, you went from, I call them floor mops because they were fuzzy, floppy, and they drag their hair around the floor, like mop the floor. And then all of a sudden they went from, from floor mops to sentinels, you know, to guard dogs. And sure. I had never seen that in them. And I had them 15 years. Well, I think a part of it is that they just have this extraordinary sense ability. And they know, you know, it, 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 it's kind of amazing how good their sense of smell is. I mean, they can mm. dogs now who, who can smell cancer. They can yes. smell yes. bed bugs. They have dogs, you know, Blind Search, my book Blind Search, the second book, it's called Blind Search because it, after a kind of search that, that dogs do. So, so say someone goes missing in the woods and you have something of theirs, like you have their shirt, right? And you could give the dog the shirt to smell and then mm -hmm. the, the dog will put their nose down and track that shirt and, and you know that smell that they found on the shirt till they find that person but sometimes you don't have anything right mm -hmm. it's a fine search you don't have any anything to go by so so when there's nothing to go by those dogs are searching for something out of place something different they have their nose up in the air and they're smelling for the scent of fear human fear sweat whatever it may be. And so there are all these chemicals that we are, that when we feel a certain emotion, our body produces these chemicals and hormones and those dogs can tell and they know good ones from bad ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you learn all this, Paula? Like, did you go right around with police? Did you, you know, like, well, th that's been the fun, one of the most fun parts of the job is that I have this fabulous, there's a fabulous Vermont game warden. Does I have a game warden in my Boy, Troy Warner and his search and rescue dog, Susie Bear, who's inspired by our own rescue. Um, they, they also play a, a significant role in the book. So I have a Vermont game warden named Rob Sterling and his dog Crockett. And mm -hmm. so they talk to me and I, you know, I have all these fabulous people. There's Gardner Browning of the TSA and a guy named Scott who helped me with explosives and dog trainer Mike McCurtain in uh, Massachusetts, who's a fabulous, who trains dogs to do drug sniffing, all kinds of scent work, all kinds of um, obedience training. He's known as the sort of the, the saint of the pit bulls because whenever there's a pit bull that no one can, you know, rehabilitate mm -hmm. because of some terrible path they've suffered, he, they bring them to Mike and Mike, Mike tames the pit bulls, you know, he's the pit bull whisperer. So I have all these fabulous people I get to talk to, right? That and is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And they tell me great stories, right? Great stories.
Well, and you were an interviewer, you know, you were, you were like me, you know, prior to our other lives, you know, you know, I was in the media and I was a journalist and I still, you know, this is a form of journalism, but you know, you were, I was an investigative journalist and you were also. Yes, I was, I started off as a reporter and that does teach you, um, you know, to ask people questions, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to know all these great stories. All you, people love to talk about what they do and certainly dog people love to talk about their dogs, whether it's, you know, a law enforcement officer, you know, with a drug sniffing dog, or whether it's a game warden with his, you know, a search and rescue dog. Um, people love to talk about their dogs and all the fabulous things their dogs can do. It's interesting because in Blind Search, it's a story about a little boy with autism who gets lost in the woods. And it was inspired by a true story of a little boy with autism who got lost in the woods in Vermont, and he was found safe and sound thanks to search and rescue personnel and canines, right? And it, 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 as it turns out, the people most likely to get lost in the woods are children with autism and elderly people with dementia. Sure. Lost, right? And I found in doing the research for this book that there's a service dog just for kids with autism. Wow. Often herding dogs that, who literally herd the kids back and forth to school, keeping them up from wandering off, helping them function in the real world. So there's a service dog for everything. It's I, love I love that. Well, you guys, I hate we got to wrap up today's show, Paula. We're going to have you back because you're just so fascinating and your, your books are so great. Tell people how they can find more about you. Well, PaulaMunier.com. That's P-A-U-L-A, Paula, Meunier, M-U-N-I-E-R.com. And, you know, my books are everywhere. They are everywhere, and I own all of them. I have to tell you, I'm just going to segue really quick. This is like my cheap plug. Paula did not pay anything to be on today's show. We are sponsored by Audible, but she has the best writing books. So you're going to, like, if you want to be like Paula when you grow up, like I do, and, you know, be a, this beautiful, elegant author and, and writing these magical stories that entertain and validate and comfort, um, check out her how-to books. Check. Can we just talk just for a second, Paula, run through a couple of those? I think we need to do a whole show on just that. Yes, Writing with Quiet Hands and the Writer's mm -hmm. Guide to Beginnings. I own both of these. They're so great. I also have one on plot called Plot Perfect. Yes, yes. I have Plot Perfect. Yes. So, so, yes, I think, you know, I have a thousand books on writing. <laughs> so I'm a big believer in writing books. Um, they're a relatively inexpensive way to, to, to learn about writing and your craft, mm -hmm. and people who know what they're doing. So I, I encourage aspiring writers to read everything they can on writing. Mm -hmm. uh, my books and everyone else's there's lots of them out there wow so what do you say rob we should have paula back don't you think i think we need to yeah just uh there's so many different topics that we can go uh go to so paula thank you so much i'm just thrilled to now know you in person <laughs> always lovely to see you all right, you guys, so check her out, paulamunier.com. Her book is Borrowing of Bones. That was the Dog Writers Association of America. Mm -hmm. I also want you guys to go to missionk9rescue.org and look. And then also, guys, go ahead and please keep us on the air. Go to Audible. Check it out. Text 500-500, the word military mom, or you can go to audible.com slash military mom. Sign up, get your free book, get Paula's book. Why get not? Award-winning book. You met her, you got to talk to her. We'll be back again next week with another show. Goodbye. 
Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.